Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And I'm Adam Mingan at Adam Mingan. Live from Gulf Shores, Alabama, and live from East Nashville, Tennessee. We will break we, we will break down game five today on the show. We will argue and discuss and try to analyze all of the, I guess I would call them 50-50 calls, some of which went the Preds way, some of which we, which did not. There is some good, of course, that came out of game five, in my opinion. So we'll try to tell you the good stuff that came out of game five, if you're a Preds fan, as we get ready for game six, of course, puck drop at 8.30 p.m., uh, we'll preview that game on Thursday night coming up in just a second as well. But of course, pay for great journalism. Go to The Athletic. Great stuff up there. Joe Rexroad, yourself, all the great folks at The Athletic. So pay for that as well. Uh, and of course, the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. Anything else to add? Just Jaspers. That was my sultry attempt at <laughs> selling Jaspers. Try, 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 try it again. Do it again. <laughs> Go ahead. Set me up. So, so you're. So I dial the 900 number, which of course is Jasper's, and you pick up the phone and you say, welcome to Jasper's. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Go to Jasper's where the cocktails are sultry and the food is sensual and the atmosphere is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think of another S word. Uh, go to Jasper's where the parking is free, the food is great, and there's still another Preds game to watch and have a great happy hour. So if you can't if you can't get into the stone on Thursday night, great happy hour at Jasper's, 4 to 6 p.m. And then for the game later at 8.30, lots of good food, lots of good cocktails. Go watch the game at Jasper's. All right, so let's get started with the uh, – I'll try to make the case for the good here, Adam, before we get into the, the actual loss, the outcome, and what this team's going to do moving forward. I, I thought they handled Carolina in a calmer – smarter, more mature, you know, more prepared way, especially on the four check. I thought they like for the better part of 40 minutes were actually as good as Carolina. I thought this was much more like games two and three than it was game four, where they maybe got out shot for 40 minutes. Uh, as I'm trying to sell the good, the fact that they were up two to one with seven minutes to go on the road, trying to win a third straight game with Carolina, the fact that they lost is going to cover up the fact that they played really well. And I want to start with that. So before we get into all the sadness <laughs> um, and the melancholy, I, I do think there was a lot of positives to be taken from that game, that if you can continue that, maybe you've got a chance to get the game back to Raleigh in game seven and maybe even win game seven. I think the Predators had a 3-2 series lead in their grasp. Everything, not everything, mostly everything had gone their way. They got a fortuitous bounce on their first goal. Still not sure how Yakov <laughs> Trenin ended up with that goal. I don't think he understands either. Based well, it, went on, off, it went off his face game. or something, right? Well, what's interesting <laughs> is they reviewed it, and the replay showed the puck hitting a Carolina defender. I can't remember who. Uh, but Chris Mason on the Predators broadcast made a great point. Whichever defenseman the puck hit on the way to the net, it hit his hand, and you could see him shaking his hand shortly after the puck hit it. So you thought it went from Yossi's stick off the defender's hand and into the net, but the goal was credited to Trennan. And the NHL, when they went to review, 
review to make sure that it wasn't hit in with a high stick. So I never saw the puck hit Trennan's stick. Yeah, I agree. Any replay, but it is what it is. They got a goal that was fairly lucky. Then they got, in my opinion, a uh, fortunate overturn, overturning of that second Hurricanes goal by Jordan Stahl on the goaltender interference call, which again, I still don't understand how that was overturned. Um, I believe Chris Mason on the broadcast also said that that should not be goalie interference, right? I believe he said that it should not be goalie interference. Apparently, Pierre Maguire on the national broadcast said the complete opposite. Yeah, and that's the one that's that's the one I had. We had Pierre Maguire. So I'm sorry. So (laughs) we had the national broadcast, and so I think a lot of Preds fans watching the game down here, they didn't they didn't hear an expert that they trust, like Chris Mason, saying "Mm, that's a really lucky call. Right. Like all they saw. And even one of actually one of the one of the, the my in-laws was like, man, it looked kind of like Yossi was interfering. <laughs> with, That's with what Star. I thought. I mean, I think so. The NHL, they send out they send out explanations. They're not great explanations, but they send out explanations of what they are looking for. And when the NHL sent out the explanation, they said that Warren Fogel interfered with UC Soros and prevented him from making a play on the puck. But I feel like, and this is the point Rod Brendamore made after the game, that Fogel comes into the crease and then Yossi comes in after him. If the shot would have been clean, like if whoever took the shot for the Hurricanes would have beaten Soros on their shot, maybe you would have had a case. But the shot goes wide and hits off of Stahl's skate. You know, in Brindamore's idea that that should have negated the possibility of the goaltender interference, if I recall his comments correctly. But either way, the Predators got one to go their way. By the way, not only was that John Hines's first initiated challenge of the season, it was his first initiated challenge as Predators coach. Pretty good timing there, buddy. Pretty good timing. Credit to John and, and and the video staff, Lawrence. Filoni and, and Andrew Meloche for, for seeing that and making the determination uh, to challenge it. Um, I was surprised that it was challenged or that it was overturned rather. So the Predators had it. They were, they were in a position to steal a game in Raleigh, which they absolutely needed to do to, of course, win this series. And the thing about the Carolina Hurricanes is they have multiple players on their team who can step up and make a play. And, and Marty Natchez, you know, scores the power play goal in the in the in the first period to tie the game, and that's another iffy call, by the way. The the Matt Benning getting the extra roughing with Luke Cunning on Andre Svechnikov. So you're already so okay. So look, I tried to start the show with a positive vibe and a what's the one positive thing we can say about this team before we get into all of the like like reality I don't think checks what I'm saying is negative I'm no, just, I know I know did you're saying they choked and that they don't have any excuses okay that's what you're saying and you're right but I was trying to save that for later in the show say that either I didn't say they choked <laughs> no I don't think I don't think they choked either but let's put a bow on the fact that it was do you think it was their best defensive showing at controlling the flow of play in their own zone in the entire series yes through so remember how lopsided 
the offensive zone possession time was in game four. That was not the case at all in game five. Um, the Predators did a much better job of keeping the Hurricanes out of their zone for sustained periods of time. Now, leading into the goal that was overturned, they had a lengthy shift in their own end, but of course it didn't count. But for the most part, they did a much better job of keeping the Hurricanes at bay through most of the game. And and that's, and, and here's something that I've, found very interesting it's not a surprise since three games have gone to overtime but at all situations this series has been within one goal for 96 percent of the total playing time there you know at the exception of game one there has not been any quote-unquote blowouts in this series and you know that's a credit to the predators i thought for the most part they did what they needed to do last night but you know the one chance I keep going back to is Ellie Tolvanen fires a shot from the right wall. The Delkovich kicks it into the slot. Ryan Johansson swoops in all alone mm-hmm. with a chance to put it away. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, that's gonna, that, that's a play yep. that can haunt your dreams. If you're, if you're a Predators fan or if you're Ryan Johansson. So that, much different game. that is a perfect segue into the reality check portion of the podcast which is a couple of different conversations. And and number one, it's that sports are about 50-50 calls. They're about luck. They're about, you know, sometimes you're going to get the breaks. Sometimes you're not. And the Preds got a bunch of breaks in this game that we pointed them out. You've already pointed them out, which is the first goal, which is the goalie interference. Um, The fact that Granlin drew the penalty in overtime was a little questionable. Okay, maybe they got the 50-50 call there. Then they didn't get the 50-50 call with 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 Carrier tripping Aho, even though Aho sort of fits the letter of the law. Maybe he embellished a little bit, but whatever. Even both of those calls are sort of 50-50, and one went the way of the Preds, the other one went the way of the Hurricanes. You played a great game. You missed an opportunity probably to win the series, which I think is pretty difficult to swallow and should be upsetting, and that is why Preds fans are upset. I don't think you can be angry at the refs. I don't think you can be angry at the calls. What you can be angry about is that their stars made the play. And Ryan Johansson, for example, did not. And and again, we can talk about whose fault it was on the Natchez wraparound goal that tied the game. We can talk about that. We, you mentioned the extra minor on the Cunning Svechnikov scrum. Why did the Preds get the extra minor when Benning because came Benning in? And was like, the third, Benning, Benning right. made the mistake right. of being the first guy into the pile. Right, right. That, that's it. That's why. So the big and my big takeaway when I watch Jordan Stahl do something spectacular is that this is what he has done all series. He has made spectacular plays and there's a reason there's a C on his chest. There's a reason he's had the career he's had. There's a reason he's the player that he is. And he made the big play. He made the star play. And we can argue about calls all we want to, but the Preds guys have not done that, or at least did not do that when they had the opportunity. And I, I don't know what else to tell Predators fans. It sucks. It's sports. Sometimes you have to tip your cap to the other guy who just made a great play. And should Soros have tried to knock the puck away? I don't know. I, 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 it's probably a fine play. But you know what? The guy who knocks it out of midair and then scores an overtime winner, it, it happens to be the captain. That, that's not an accident, you know? No, it's not. And Jordan Stahl has had a marvelous career. He's played more than 1,000 games. He won the Stanley Cup as a youngster uh, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
Um, you know, he has, he has made several big plays in this series. I mean, he could have had another goal that could have been a second goal of the game. If the, if the, um, if the goal had not been overturned, um, but he's everything you want in a captain of a playoff team. And they, one of the keys to winning game six is going to be doing everything you can to, to keep Jordan Stahl from making an impact. I guess you could say they need to implement some stall tactics. Oh, come on. Finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about, how about this? Keep him out of the slot. How about that? Keep him away from your goaltender. Cause that's where he seems to be killing you. And I guess the elite players in the NHL, they have to, we, we talked about this, the, the way the predators were going to get back in the series was their stars had to become stars. You said that on the podcast mm-hmm. and it's, it, some of them have come to life and made big plays, but they're just not as many as the other team. And the other team scored with seven minutes to go because Martin Natchez beat like everyone on your team. <laughs> like everyone on your team had a chance to stop him. Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Matt Duchesne, Matt Benning, UC Saros. That's a lot of stars there. And you didn't stop the guy from making a huge play. And he scored and tied the game. That, that's it. Like sometimes you just have to, it's not the ref's fault. It's not Luck's fault. Sometimes their stars make plays and sometimes yours don't. And unfortunately that, that was game five in my opinion. And you had the opportunity to, to give yourself a chance to win the series at home in game six. Yes. I, <laughs> yes, for sure. I mean, like you would, if you're a Predators fan, you absolutely take the first 50 something minutes of that game. And we can talk one penalty. I don't think we have talked about. And if we have, it's, I'm sorry for repeating it. The Alex Carrier penalty in overtime. Have we talked about stop. that? Well, we, what I mentioned is, is that the Grandland penalty where Grandland drew the penalty, that's a 50, 50 questionable call. Grandland got it. The Preds got it. They got the call to go on the power play. Then the Carrier penalty, again, you could argue 50-50 call, questionable call, could go either way. They called it against you. And, and right there in that, that, that power play moment is a microcosm of sports in that you, sometimes you get the calls and sometimes you don't. No, opinion, exactly. And, like, and you can make the case that Aho knew what he was doing and took advantage of a rookie in a big situation. I, I don't blame Alex Carrier for, for that. Um, definitely Ajo had the look uh, of, uh, like of a basketball player selling a charge <laughs> on that particular call. Many of which have happened in that building for the fans of the NC state Wolfpack. Oh, oh, um, come on, Durham boy. Don't, don't tell me that the Durham players don't, don't know how to do that too. Okay. What are you talking about? Duke players <laughs> never sell, they never flop. Do the They're voice, a- do the voice. Duke players, they never flop. They get all the calls. Mike Krzyzewski. And no, what's fun, like I, I tweeted last <laughs> night that, you know, as a Duke fan, I can relate to Eric Holla being despised by a majority of the triangle. So <laughs> I, I get it. I mean, one of my worst, one of my worst memories of being a Duke fan occurred in that building. All I right. Was, all right. All right. Wait, hold on. Hold on. I was in attendance at Duke's first round loss to Mercer, which took place in that building. I don't remember what year it was. All I remember is that my dad took me to that game for my birthday, and I still have never forgiven Jabari Parker for that. Let's stop. Let's start. Let's talk hockey. Either way, Eric Halla, I feel your pain, man. I know what it's (laughs) like to be hated by people in the Triangle area outside of Durham. 
So real quickly, uh, number one, what the hell NHL? I know it's TV, but 8.30 sucks, dude. Like, honestly, that's just garbage. Um, I know Smashville is going to be crazy. It's going to be a great building. The barn's going to be nuts, but like 8.30 sucks. Um, yeah, is it- I don't get it. I feel bad for the people in Raleigh who have to wait till 9.30. Welcome to the real world, jackasses. <laughs> this is what Central Division playoff hockey is all about, baby. 8.30 starts. Central, Central time in God's time zone. Um, I don't know what the we'll wrap up the show here. I, I don't know what the Preds need to do differently. I, I think they played the game they need to play in game five. If they come back to Bridgestone in game six and they play that game again, I think they win and we go back to Raleigh in game seven. I, I think so too. I think, I mean, I think the Predators are going to win tomorrow. I, I don't think this series is over. But there are plenty of things the Predators have to do in order to keep this series going. And, you know, they do need to be a little bit more disciplined. Um, They do need to cash in on those golden opportunities that they were unable to do so on last night, specifically Ryan Johansson. I mean, what's interesting is that the Predators actually lead the, the playoffs, lead the league in the playoffs in rebound chances per game according to my friends at sport logic. So the chances are there. Nadelkovich is giving up those opportunities, but they haven't been able to cash in on them through five games. I think they have two rebound goals in this series. Um, they need to continue to work around the net, get those chances and, and, and capitalize. Um, but I, I think if you run that same game back through 50 something minutes, and, and I think the Predators... I think the Predators can can extend this series to seven games. Yep, and, and I think so as well. Uh, but they're going to have to be really, really good on the forecheck. The power play is not even worth talking about anymore. Like, I don't even know what they are now. They were 0 for 15 against Dallas. They were 4 for 14 against Arizona. And I, what are they now? Like, 2 for 19 or something? Vamp, like, vamp, vamp. I mean, again, they, they were 4 for 41 at one point when before the 5-on-3 penalty in game three – and that was their first power play goal in, in the entire series. And so, again, 0 for 15 against Dallas, 4 for 14 against Arizona the last two years, and they are now what against, <laughs> they against are Carolina? Two for 20, they are 2 for 22. 2 for 22. Yeah. So do the math on that. And one was a 5 on 3. So so 6 for 36 in their last two series. Right, they're two playoff series. I'll tell you right and now, six going... for fifty-one. They're six for fifty-one. It... Yes, they have. That's a that's a grand total of eleven point eight percent on the power play. And and what's fun? What's people that I'm with watching the game are like, well, what's the problem? And I go, they're not good enough under pressure. Like they just don't have enough Ryan Johansson's from a from a handsy skill standpoint because Carolina is going to pressure you and you have to make delicate, difficult, tough, quick passes and quick plays. And they don't have enough of those guys. And they, they just don't. I, I don't know. It, it's, it is what it is, but they got to get a power play goal and play great defense in their own zone and just do all the things that they did on hopefully on, on, uh, on Tuesday, on Thursday. And I do, I'm with you. I think they win. I think it goes back to Raleigh. I don't think the outcome of the series has changed. I think you missed your opportunity with that on in game five. I, I do think that, that go, you go back to Raleigh in game seven and they're going to win that game. Uh, Carolina then- that. And then we can have a discussion about how we should feel about this team giving the Hurricanes all they can handle. Yeah. Um, that's for a, a different, I mean, because look, yeah. even through five games, if you would have told me through five games of this series that the Predators would have won twice, that they would 
have been within a goal for almost the entire series, um, I would have said, you take that. Yep. You absolutely yep. take that. Yep. Like, I think at the beginning of the series, if you would have told Predators fans exactly what's happened through five games and said, you're going to come back down 3-2 at home with a chance to extend the series. Like, I think a lot of the Predators fans would have taken it. Yep. Okay, this is a good note. This is a positive note. So let's end on that because I agree with you. I agree let's with you. Let's talk about one more thing that's unrelated to, right. to the series because we do like to talk about the television product. The NHL has announced, it was reported, it was reported over time, it was yesterday, um, that Wayne Gretzky will join Turner Sports as an NHL studio analyst next season. It's also been announced that Kenny Albert and Eddie Olchuk, both of whom now work for NBC, will also be calling live games on TNT uh, and TBS uh, through the regular season and playoffs. What do you make of, of those personnel decisions on the broadcast? I am Gretzky is such a laid back dude, right? I am interested to see how he works on television in that setting. When all of a sudden there's like this huge moment of a big time controversial thing. And he needs to have like a pretty strong opinion about something. I'm, I'm not saying he can't do it. He's, he's the great one, but he's a pretty chill dude. He's a pretty laid back kind of just like, you know, he just kind of calls it how he sees it. And so maybe there's some, maybe there's a really good place for him on a broadcast. It certainly is a good entry into the market if you're tnt from a broadcast standpoint like if you're going to come back into the market come in with some big names at least people are going to pay attention to you right out of the gate they then have to deliver on that promise but who knows i, I I'm, I'm interested it's gonna i'll tune in you know what i mean yeah i'm interested to, i mean of course wayne gretzky you know by all intents and purposes the greatest hockey player of all time um and certainly what he says holds a significant amount of weight. I am curious, as you are, to see how Gretzky handles controversy because often Gretzky's not so much in the game anymore, but you often see sometimes former players, you know, hold back. I don't think this is a problem in the NBA, but I think in other sports, it's you see for, you know, ex players, you know, you mean, you mean like tongue. you mean like Hal Gill not sh having to call Philip Forsberg and apologize? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> um, Listen, here, here's the one thing about this: just because you are a great athlete and great at a sport does not mean you are a great broadcaster. Because I know people don't believe this, but you cannot just roll out of bed and be a great broadcaster. People go to school for this and go to college and train for years to be great broadcasters. So I just want to throw that out there: athletes, it's not the same as playing the sport. Broadcasting is a different art. It's a different craft. So we'll see. We shall see. Um, but I am interested. I, I, I really like Kenny Albert. Great guy. Yep. Incredibly versatile. Yep. Um, does a great job calling football games, hockey games, whatever, yep. he, whatever he's been asked to do. He does very well. Because he's a professional broadcaster who has been yeah. training his whole life to do those things, Adam. And Eddie Olchuk, also, <laughs> you know, great broadcaster, great analyst. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see how ESPN and Turner um, bolster their broadcasting crews um, to compete against one another. Yep. Um, yep. By the way, actually, one more thing. One more thing very quickly. Did you see the Stephen A. Smith clip of him talking about the Oilers being swept out of the playoffs? No, I didn't. But we you need can, to watch it. It's we can hilarious. address it. We'll, it's we'll hilarious. Address it. We'll address it on another podcast. Fine. But if you're listening and you haven't, 
Go find Stephen A. Smith freaking out about <laughs> Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl being swept out of the playoffs. Oh, my God. Like he's ever watched a game. All right. Uh, Adam, uh, of course, pay for good journalism at The Athletic. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Adam Bingen. You can follow me at Braden Gall. Gold Standard is brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> that was pretty sultry. Call 1-900-BURGERS. Are you, are you lonely, hungry, <laughs> thirsty? Do you need to wet your whistle with an H? <laughs> Come to Jasper's, five ninety nine a minute. Oh my god! Four dollar drafts every Preds game, and four to six Monday through Friday. Yes. <laughs> okay, let's stop. Yeah, we're done. We're done. For, the, for Adam Bingen, my name is Braden Gall. Thank you all for listening. Go to Jasper's. Great food. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Maybe we'll get a W and see you in Game 7. But either way, we'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.